1: Covered by the Saints for a touchdown! Each orion inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans! We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season.
2: That is going to be a touchdown! Taysom Hill to Taysom TD!
1: Welcome to Inside Black and Gold.
2: And that's going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas.
1: Now, here are your hosts Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh baby. What's up Saints fans? Welcome into another edition of Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak and we are in NFL Combine week. Obviously plenty to talk to uh, talk about that. We got restructures going on. Jeff and I did an interview with espn nfl draft insider matt miller and there's a whole bunch of news coming out from the combine from dennis Allen, we'll delve into as
3: well jeff how you doing man i'm doing good anyone watching this video can tell it's not my normal backdrop i am sitting in a kitchen in connecticut right now because i visited my family this week that's why we didn't have an episode earlier in the week but i wanted to get at least one done while i'm here um but for obvious reasons I am not up to speed on the combine per se. I was able to catch up a lot on what Dennis Allen and Jeff Ireland said. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, First segment, I want to kind of talk about the non combine stuff that, that was all out. We're going to talk about some restructures. Second segment is going to be that interview with Matt Miller. We're going to talk a little about that. And then the final segment, I want to get into some of the actual combine stuff, mostly from Jeff Ireland on some of their scouting processes, but, but yeah, you know, I'm it's 30 degrees here. So, I'm, uh, uh, but it's warm inside. That's the biggest difference between Louisiana 30 and Connecticut 30 is they, they understand how insulation works. And <laughs> so like, when I'm inside, I'm comfy. It's nice. It's a nice step outside. And I'm like, yep, this is why I don't live here anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine, you know, dealing with the, the 30 degrees. We had like a week or two of it here and I was over it.
3: Yeah, we had there was some snow on the ground when I got here, but it was like oh, warm enough man. the other day that it rained and like cleared it all out. So now it's just everything dead. Like that's the other thing. You look out the window and it's just this long expanse of dead trees, gray charcoal looking. They'll come back though. <laughs> I, I'm pretty confident they'll come back. Anyway, so speaking of guys that are going to come back, uh, yeah. Today, you know, so the last over the weekend, you know, we we haven't recorded an episode since I think last Wednesday. So there've been a few things that came out. Since the last podcast, so we'll catch up on that. The first thing is the salary cap increased by significantly more than we anticipated. I think they were looking at two million uh, two hundred and thirty-five million or something in that range, or two. Oh, I'm sorry, two hundred and forty-five million, and it actually went up to two hundred and fifty-five million. So that's a thirty million dollar increase year over year. It's the largest year to year increase in NFL history, and it, it, effectively, it means that. The Saints have about 10 million more in space to play with than they thought they would. So for this, for us, so for a lot of teams, it's like, oh, we have some extra money; we can throw it some free agents. For the Saints, who undergo this very tedious, planned-out process every year, it just makes that process that much easier. It's the inverse of what happened in 2021 when the cap actually went down by about 10 million. It actually, so I think this is really that's really what this is: is you're kind of just correcting for that season where it went down. And so, you know, when you're looking at the Saints, they had about 83 million going in, about 81 million, give or take, depending on where you look. And that number dropped to 71 million that you end up ultimately having to clear. They restructured Derek Carr. They restructured a handful of these contracts. The most recent ones are Nathan Shepard, which was smaller. It was like 2.7 million. Cesar Ruiz, which is in the range of 7 million. They also got Carl Granderson, which is around 7 million. And then the most recent was Cam Jordan, which came out this morning. There was some confusion initially from Adam Schefter's report where he said that they cleared about $1.7 And that was weird because it was like they could clear 9.3. So if they only cleared one point something, it would almost indicate a pay cut or something like that. But that was corrected later in the day. They did exercise that full $9.4 million restructure. So that leaves the Saints at about $16 million over the salary cap. And uh, with plenty of time, they have until I think March 13th to get there, and they have plenty of options in in terms of how to get there. So it's really, really, you've reached the point now where it's just a question of who do you want to restructure. I thought Cam Jordan was a was a no brainer. A lot of people would say, "Hey, he's old. He wasn't productive this past season," and I get that. To me, I look at it as, "Okay, is this guy going to retire, be cut, or traded?" After the 2024 season. And I know the saints are, have no interest in trading him or cutting him. So I can eliminate that. And I know that he has said that he goes in two year intervals with his, with his decisions on whether to keep playing year 13 was the last one. That's the year we just got through the next will be year 15. So unless something changes drastically for him from a health perspective, he's fully intending on playing in 2025. So it just make the, the amount you can clear, versus the fact that you're not going to have to deal with this next season in terms of retirement, made that make a lot of sense. And if the option was like, hey, we can either restructure Cam or Alvin Kamara, I'm going with Cam. If we could either restructure Cam or Ryan Ramchick, I'm going Mm -hmm. with Cam. So I think that was was a no-brainer. Now the next guys you're looking at, okay, do you restructure Tyron Matthew, Taysom Hill, DeMario Davis? I think you have to hit two of those three. So it's just a question of who. Um, but they're going to get there very easily. And then it's just going to be from there. It's a question of how much space do you want to clear to sign free agents and whatnot, but we are well along this process and it, and it's all kind of where we expected it to be. Yeah. Just like the
1: beginning of it all, you hear the pundits around the league yeah. criticizing the saints, you know, and, and we, you know, we're, we're, at the point where, you know, you, like you said, 16 million. Now they just have to clear of uh, their slash and dash with the salary cap, uh, I, I guess we're just used to it by now where it doesn't really phase anybody in the local media, but man, Oh man. Uh, I, I, you mentioned cam Jordan. I'm, I'm hoping last year was just a, a small blip and not really the, we're seeing the end obviously of cams run uh, in the NFL, j- just because I know he dealt with some you know, injuries last season that really limited it, it him and he played through it. And I, I know everyone talks about, you don't want to hear excuses from guys, but It definitely was not the same Cam Jordan. So I'm hoping that the ankle issue is more of, you know, the reason we saw that lack of production from him.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think reality is somewhere in the middle, right, of like, yes, he (laughs) has declined to some extent, but not nearly as much as it seemed last year. One of the issues, and I I think Dennis Allen said this, I I don't know where, I think he might have said this in the interview with uh, James White and or Steve White and James Palmer right. is like his issue isn't so much pressuring the quarterback it's getting the guy to the ground you know and and that's been something that it, he's never been a lead at that he's never been a 20 sack guy but he's always been you know in that in that 8 to 15 range right And that yeah. in that middling range and i think that's where you saw especially on like third downs where the guy's going to scramble around and try to you know extend plays that's where he struggled and I think the solution is take some of that off his plate. And that's what you did later in the year. And it worked. And I think Cam is still an elite rundowns player and you're going to, and you need to get elite rundowns action from him. And I hope that they can come up with a scenario that they take advantage of some younger, more uh, athletic pass rushers and, We'll see what they do with Zach Vaughn in free agency. We'll see what Isaiah Foskey maybe can do in year two if they draft another guy. I think they they're gonna look they're gonna look at pass rushers for sure in this draft. So I, I think that's kind of what it is is you need to find a way to tease out what's left for Cam without getting too caught up in this idea that, oh, he's the he's the star, he's the three down player. And and you gotta be able to bridge that gap. And I think they will. I think they've kind of gotten to that point. And and the money is the money. Like it's it, People want to get caught up in the contract. The contract is what it is. He's going to be here. So it's about maximizing what you can out of that money. And that's why the restructure always felt like a no-brainer. Shifting gears here slightly. Well, I do want to mention so that we do know the NFLPA report card came out yesterday. We're recording this Thursday. Um, we're not going to get too deep into it today. I, you know, we can mention it. We can talk about it. But I do want to do a full episode on that because there's a lot to dive into. And I haven't really gotten a chance to go through it all yet in terms of, like, I've gone through a lot of the Saints stuff, but I haven't really looked around. I want One of the things I like to do is is go through everyone that got Fs and figure out what exactly prompted an F. Because there are some teams with a lot of Fs. Um, the funny thing about it in the Saints, Saints were in the middle. The Saints ended up 19th. They got eight Bs, um, you know, one A. But it was a category where everybody got A's. You know, the strength coaches, it's kind of interesting. And when you look at the grades, you need to look at, not just what the grades are but also where they land among NFL teams right so you were you got an a minus in strength coaches but you ranked 14th whereas you got a b plus in like think training room or something like that and that was fourth so it's like it's not only just what the letter grade is but that's what media wants to wants to hinge on so they can have these hot tags like oh man the saints you know the funny thing is they got an f and I'm sure this is what this is probably annoying to the Saints because they got an F in cafeteria. <laughs> and what is their big project of the offseason? What is prompting the training camp? Hey, they realize so, the issue, right? Yeah. So they're fixing it, but that right. doesn't mean but they're still gonna get all these all this grief for getting an F. You know, so these these surveys went out November to to August or uh, August to November. So right. a lot of it some some of it's training camp, some of it's early season, some of its mid season, anyway.
1: The one it's that's not like real quick was a B minus for Dennis Allen. Wow, that's 29th.
3: Well, right. And I, and I think it is it is interesting. And the, the real interesting part is how how predictive some of these grades were on the coaching side, because there were only three teams that got a grade of C or worse for their coaches. One was the Raiders. One was the Falcons and the other was the commanders. You know what those three teams have in common? They fired, fired. You know? and there were ten teams that got a B minus or worse. Two of those teams were, I'm sorry, a B or worse. Two of those teams were the Chargers and the Patriots. So those two teams got fired. The others were the Browns, Saints, Bucks, Jets, and Bears. And I think you could look at all of those teams, maybe with the exception of the of the Bucks, and say. And the Browns and say a lot of these teams are on thin or, or like a lot of these coaches are just on various stages of thin ice. And the only reason you don't say that about the Browns and the Bucks is because they made the playoffs. But both of those teams still kind of underperformed. The Browns, you lost your quarterback, whatever the the Bucks, you didn't have. You you went with Baker Mayfield. So that kind of anyway. So it's well, all like there.
1: You when, when this survey was taken early on, you could say the Bucks head coach was on the hot seat.
3: Yeah, and again, like we don't know how, when these surveys came in. Is it training camp? Who is? Like, how, what's the frequency of surveys across teams? It's going to vary, but there were like seventeen hundred responses. So if you average that out for over thirty-two teams, that's about fifty-three players per team. So that would indicate that you know it's ninety-man So You're getting about halfway anyway. It's it's a whole thing. We're going to go through all this on Monday, right. so I don't want to get too into it, but it is interesting every year. It's interesting. The Saints did okay. They didn't do great. They didn't do bad. They did okay. They were in the middle. And And I will
1: say one last thing about it. I don't know if you saw uh, T.J. Watt tweeted about the NFLPA rankings. And he's like kind of with the Pro Bowl stuff, you throw it out or you give it to a rookie to fill out. But between picking team captains
3: and then also the NFLPA survey, players do take it seriously. No, no, I think they do. I think they do. And this year there was about 400 more responses than the year before. It's the second year they've done it. So, and, and again, like the thing that I think, and I want to get into this again, but it's supposed to be a roadmap for players who are entering free agency for the first time and they're trying to figure out where they want to go play. And it gives yeah. them an indication of what this team does well, what the, some of the pitfalls are, you know, and like that's what it's meant for. It's not meant for media analysis to be like, oh, they suck, in, like their cafeteria sucks. Oh, no, you know, so it, but that's what it ends up being. And that's but what that's kind of
1: funny to me because Chiefs ownership got an F, but yeah. they're, I still want to
3: go play there. <laughs> well, I've been listening to, you know, I'm in Connecticut, so I'm hearing a lot of uh, WEI, like the Boston stations. I drive around with my dad in okay. the car. They're like, oh, man, Robert Kraft got a terrible grade. I mean, yeah. It's just funny. Um, but either way, uh, oh, they, they, these guys need big planes. What's going on? Any, uh, it's <laughs> But anyway. So let's, let's get off that. Um, I do want to talk a bit about, so a couple of things Dennis Allen said, he talked about James Winston, Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Thomas, Ryan Ramcheck. right? And the, to me, so the first one is Ryan Ramcheck, and I'm not going to play that clip because it's 13 seconds long, but basically what Dennis Allen right. said is the team feels a lot better about where he is at right now than they did a month, a month and a half ago, he had a minor procedure on his knee to kind of clean it out. That's, that's, you know, these guys have these procedures, you know, these are just, you know, run of the mill procedures. A lot of, a lot of players have these procedures. You'd never hear about them, Um, but you're just kind of cleaning out scar tissue, getting in a situation where anything that might've been bugging him, That you can fix you fixed and so that's where he is and and to me that's positive because he didn't have to give that kind of ringing endorsement he could have said yeah we're still kind of in wait and see mode whatever so to me that's a very positive thing because you're going especially you're at the combine you're trying to figure out what are your musts what are your wants and if you can go into next season with a with a scenario that's like we don't know what the long term Prognosis is for Ryan Ramchek in terms of how many years he can play and whether you're going to get the full value of that contract. But if you can go into next season confident that you'll at least get starting caliber Ryan Ramchek for 2024, then that makes things a lot easier to figure out.
1: Yeah, I mean that's it's a, it's going to be difficult with this team between Ramchek and you got a guy where I know we're getting into two with Trevor Penning. I still feel like that tackle position you got
3: to address it. Oh yeah, you got you you got to you got to look at it. You got to bring in bodies, but at the same time. If I i feel a lot better if I know that my star right tackle is still my star right tackle. And I'm not right. and I'm you can still draft a guy in the first round and say he's gonna be your future right tackle, but I'm just saying like just from the, the pieces on the board. You know, you got a chessboard and where you're putting the pieces, and I feel better about where the pieces are if Ryan Ramchek is one of those pieces. Um just the the stories about what he's dealing with that at Neek definitely worry me though when you hear, yeah. you know, he's missing cartilage. Any degenerative type knee stuff. Yes, exactly. For a guy who has to you know anchor on those legs. So, yeah, it's so not,
1: expect those veteran days of rest to continue this. Oh, this yeah, yeah, to yeah. You're <laughs>
3: still gonna manage it in the same like you're still gonna be yeah. managing it. It's not like it's gone, but I think the team just feels a little more comfortable that he will be available. So that's one thing. You talked about Mike Thomas too. We didn't really get much. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> I don't think DA really knows what's going on with Mike. Does anyone? Um, yeah, I, 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 that's a good question. You know, he, the D.A. got asked if he, if he had had surgery, and D.A. was like, I'm not sure. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm not surprised that that the team is not fully up to speed on what's going on with Mike's Mike's rehab, and D.A. might not be, but like. It would have been funny if he was like, I don't know. It's not my problem anymore. <laughs> I and mean, that's kind of how I kind of read it. of like, yes. <laughs> Because he, he was asked about Marshawn, and that's the next thing i didn't into, because like he had answers about Marshawn. And he was asked about injuries for Marshawn. Anyway, let, let's just let's listen to what he had to say about Marshawn because I think there were some interesting things in that uh, too. Let's see.
2: What can you say about where you guys stand with Marshawn Lattimore? I, I know his contract got tinkered with. I mean, yeah, have there have Been talks with him about. Yeah, look, Staying together. Look. Possible trade. Lattimore's on our football team. He's a good football player. He's been a good football player for us. And so, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that happen, you know, throughout the off season, but. Um, but, you know, Latt's a, Latt's a big part of our team right now.
0: You mentioned earlier Marshawn and
1: right now. just As a coach, what is that process like of figuring out who's on the roster, and specifically with him? Like, if you guys do decide to move on or trade, like that, that's a really big decision. What kind of goes into that? If, however, whatever you end up.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think really it's about, you know, um, I think it's about guys. Um, that we feel like can help us, you know, win football games. Guys that we feel like can uh, continue to build the right type of um, culture here, um, and guys that are, you know, willing to do the things that are it's necessary to do to uh, to succeed. And so, um, look, like I said, I mean, Marshawn's part of our football team. He's been a big part of our football team. Um, unfortunately, the last couple of years, health has been a uh, a big factor in that. And so. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is you know, let's get Marshawn healthy and let's see where we're at as a football team. And, um, you know, we'll get the right guys out there that give us a chance to, to win. Does health feel like a
0: future concern for him at all? I mean, I know they were you know, uh, I, really
2: I, unique I, Yeah, I, I don't know that those are, are necessarily predictors of, you know, future, you know, injury issues. And yet, look, I think any time you, you have um, some injuries those all you know factor into any type of decisions that you you make but um like I said look he's a good football player he's made a lot of football plays for us I've been with him for a long time and and uh you know I think he is a guy that can help us win
3: so there's a few things that stand out there um the first is right now (laughs) all right you didn't have to say right now (laughs) he chose to say right now um, and so like the, you're going to, you know, it's like these. is this is the time of year where we listen to something and we listen to it again and we read into it and we read into it again. And then we read into it a third time. And but when you say someone is a big part of your team right now, the obvious inference there <laughs> is that that is a temporary situation. And right, so that could change. Whether whether that's he's intending that to be how it sounds, that's how it sounds to me. And I do think that's reality is you're you're going to shop Marshawn. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to trade Marshawn, but I think 100%, you're going to figure out whether there's a market and what the market is. And if there's a trade on the table that makes sense, I think you're going to make it. If there's not, you are perfectly fine bringing Marshawn back and having your all-pro star cornerback still on your roster. Um, but that's just going to be a question. But either way, I, I do agree with the, the the rest of it in the sense that like, okay, yeah, he's had these injuries year after year, these last two years. But I don't think you look at it and say, it's he's an injury prone guy, because right. you lacerate your spleen. Freak that's accident. Not, I mean, that's a freak injury. The, the high ankle sprain that can happen to anybody he got rolled yeah. up on. It's just what happened. So I agree with that. And I think that that's kind of, you know, when you're a coach, that's important to say because it's like, I don't think teams are going to look at that and be like, oh, we can't, we can't, we can't trust him. He's gotten hurt. Guys get hurt, it's the NFL. Um, but I think, I think you're getting an honest answer from DA there, whether he intended to, to be that honest or not, in that, yeah, this team would love to have Marshawn. But I think there's also the reality of the situation where maybe you don't. And you have to figure that out.
1: The the thing that troubles me with the talk of trading Lattimore is the fact that for it to be conducive for salary cap, it can't happen till after the draft, and that doesn't make sense to me at all.
3: Yeah, I mean that's the other question is if you do trade him, when do you trade him? You know, and, and it's not, you know, it's it's not gonna kill you from the cap perspective if you trade him prior to June first, but it's not gonna make life easier on you either. So that's yeah, just to, a question. To me though, too, you think about that.
1: What's Dennis Allen going to do to set up a could be future coach with draft picks for a guy that you could use on the team right now? I I don't know. It just it's all the
3: situation's odd to me. I also don't think it's necessarily like Dennis Allen making these decisions either. Like he's not he's not in charge of player personnel, right? Like to an extent, like he's he has say in the in the in the matter, but he's not calling teams saying, "What are you going to give us for Marshawn?" You know. So I think there's a reality where you know maybe Marshawn gets traded. But like, he's not sitting there saying we're trading, you know, you get what I'm saying? Like, it's not necessarily yeah. something that's happening in his in his immediate vicinity. You know, he's not the one calling other GMs and engaging the market and doing all that. So
1: I just hope yeah. it's a situation too where it's not where you know that all the Marshawn Lattimore talk trade talk popped up is the fact that he's unhappy here now and wants to move on. I, I hope that's not the case.
3: It's tough to know. I mean, right. that's the that's the it's like, okay. Mike Thomas goes a little nuts on social media, but the the react the the result of that is we know where he stands. Yes, I we haven't heard from Marshawn. I mean, <laughs> even during the season when he was healthy, <laughs> right. he didn't talk. I don't think we've had an interview with Marshawn since training camp. So you don't really know where he stands because he, he hasn't you told know, us. I can't even remember getting him in camp, which is crazy. I'm sure we did. We got, did, him, but, in camp. We got okay. him in camp once, I think. And then that was it. yeah, right. I think that's the only time he talked all year was like early in camp and we would ask him and he's not into it, you know, and, and then he got hurt. So I, I think there was just like, oh, I'll talk next week. I'll talk next week. And then he got hurt. And then it was never, you yeah. so, know, cause that happened in week 10. It's not like it happened in week 15. So it's like, you know, halfway through the season, he's not there anymore and you don't interview players that are hurt. So, you know, that's, it's not, but yeah. So we, it's just tough. I, I don't think there's a lot of information, um, to tell you where he stands or how he, how he is uh, feeling about the situation.
1: Yeah. Come on, Marshawn. You got to start taking after uh, Mike T and tweet, start tweeting some stuff. So we know it's up. I don't think that's the solution. <laughs>
3: no, it's definitely unless not. He off, off. Unless he really wants to be traded. Then that's a good way to make sure you get traded. It's <laughs> like that. Um, one last clip that I'll play from DA. And I just thought it was interesting is uh DA talking about Jameis. Cause uh, <laughs> it, it, here you go.
0: I know a lot was made about Jameis at the end of the season. Are you able to share a little bit about kind of where things stand with him going into
2: the offseason. Yeah, look, um, yeah, I think I think, I think Jameis is still under contract as we sit here right now, and, and uh, there's a lot of things that happen throughout the you know off program. We'll see see how those things uh, you know play out. But as we sit and look, I know Jameis has said I want to go and be a starter, you know, and and. Uh, you know, obviously that's that's something that that he aspires to do. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how things play out.
3: I, do, I did appreciate that because it's like he wants to go be a starter and that ain't happening here. Basically. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, yeah. that, that's another to- situation that's just awkward right now. And he's referencing the interview that Jameis did with Kyle Mosley at the, at the legacy bowl. Right. So it's yes. it's funny. Cause like, and we, we knew this, this isn't new. He talked last year about how he still thinks he can be a starter in the NFL, sure. but like, that's the thing he chose to come back and be a backup on the saints. Now, I don't know if that was a product of not having an opportunity. No one was going to give him a chance to start, but who knows? You got another offseason, You got a chance to go around and talk to teams. And even if he, and the, and the thing is like, I think there's a scenario for Jameis where he signs on to be a backup somewhere because there will be an opportunity to to step into a starting role and there's good, that that's different from a scenario like New Orleans where you're going to sign on to be the backup and that is ironclad you are not going to exactly. be the exactly uh, even if james even if if he came back and derek went down i still don't i don't know if you'd go like that's that's cuz i think Jameis likes it here and I think he'd like to stay if he could. But if he wants to be a starter, he's probably gonna have to go somewhere else. Even yeah, if that's... I think it's pretty clear that the locker room likes him too, because everybody was all
1: yeah. supportive of let's get Jamal Williams that touchdown. Yeah, it wasn't no, like, wait a minute, we gotta listen to coach.
3: He's well liked in the locker room, he's well liked in the city, he's a very popular player. So we'll see. But I I don't think the Saints are gonna are gonna be uh tripping over themselves to bring him back when the lasting image of Jameis is him openly defying the head coach and the final play of the season.
1: That's that to me was the nail in the coffin for sure. But like Alan just said in that clip, man, he, he technically, he's under contract
3: right now. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to do something with it. Right. So it's going to have to, the you know, the, the, something's going to have to happen <laughs> one way or the other, a few other things. And, you know, we don't need to play the clip. Uh, DA confirmed that, that the training camp is going to be out in Cal. Where, no, well, he, He didn't confirm that it's going to be in California, but he did confirm that it is going to be outside outside. of the area. I think there is still probably some T's to cross, whatever, but Irvine is the place. And, you know, what he said, and then I think this is the same reason that Sean Payton really liked to take the team on holiday, is, you know, it's just a bonding experience, right? Like, it's the same reason, like, when, when they would go out west and they would stay, you know, I think a good example is when they played the Rams in 2019, that the game breeze got hurt and they stayed out west and practiced out west because they had the follow-up game against the seahawks the next week and i think like like there's a reason that sean liked to do stuff like that and it's because you just build a camaraderie you hole up in a hotel and you do you know nothing but football that's what you're there to do it's your life um and that's what it's supposed to be here but there's a lot more distractions so as much as they like being out there with the fans and and uh, getting that experience and allowing the fans to interact with the team, I, I don't think that they're. I think they're excited about what's gonna, what's going to happen this training camp.
1: Yeah, it just so happens to coincide with them wanting to do some renovations around the building. Uh, I'm sure there is going to be maybe two, three practices eventually that the fans, you know, when they'll come back home. Fans
3: will be able to come out. I'm, you know, it's not positive, but I would guess they would do something. I'm sure they'll do something for fan engagement, yeah. whatever it is. I'm not sure what it'll be, but it's interesting. And, and you know, Hey man, and then when they come back, they'll have this swanky new cafeteria. So maybe they'll get a better grade next year. There you go. Right. Exactly. It should be when I saw that we will Crook with the grades anytime
1: with food and new Orleans, we should never yeah. be an F.
3: Well, it will. And the quality of the food is the other thing. Like, I don't know how renovating the cafeteria will improve the quality of the food, but that's the second year in a row that they have gotten significant criticism on the quality of the food at the facility. And, you know I don't, I don't know i've never had it so i can't tell you if it's good or not
1: well, I, I I sure, here comes a dig i sure hope that the facility <laughs> chef is not the same chef for the dome
3: i hope it's better than than this press box food let's put yes way. exactly uh, but you know and then there's a few other things you talked about clint kubiak you talked about you know accountability stuff like that those stuff we can get into as we get further into the offseason particularly training camp so we'll we'll cut it off there um but this is inside black and gold i'm jeff nowak dispatched in Connecticut. Uh, he is Steve Geller, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Norwalk. you can follow him at Steve Geller, WBL. as you can tell from watching the video, neither of us is at the combine. <laughs> so we'll have to rely on what they tell us and one person who we talked to this week or last week i should say is matt miller from esbn gave us some insight into a lot of these uh, prospects what he's looking at some strength of this draft we're going to come back we're going to we're going to listen to that interview and we're going to talk about it a bit who dat?
2: this is inside black and gold stick around